listening to the Inside Job Making CX Work podcast, where we share how you can make customer experience transformation a reality. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Inside Job Making CX Work. My name is Jose Fabrion, and I'm your host. I'm here with Niraj Ravankar and Malia Ali of Taco Bell. And we're here to discuss really what they're faced with as they look at their digital uh, and data transformation side of Taco Bell. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, let's start with you, Niraj. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what you're trying to achieve at Taco Bell? Absolutely, Jose, and, th- and thanks for having us. So enterprise analytics and enabling um, an inter- information-based business strategy is really no longer a luxury. It is a necessity. Um, data is the new oil or gold. Um, and, I, and I do believe that data has value when, it, when it's served in a format that's easy to read, um, consume, and connect. So I have this exciting role of managing Taco Bell's data and analytics platform. Um, and at a higher level, um, it's about enabling everybody in the organization, ir- irrespective of their technical know-how, to feel comfortable right, using data and making data-informed decisions. And my goal is to eventually build better customer experiences um, powered by data. Part of um, my goal is also to kind of manage our enterprise data and analytics assets um, and become an enabler in in measuring, managing the value of data. Um, So my team leads data democratization efforts um, to promote data sharing, um, stakeholder engagement, and essentially build a data-driven culture. Um, I'm going to tell you, it's an exciting time to be in this field and um, an in- interesting tagline that I read somewhere, work hard, but analyze harder. <laughs> I like that. that that's awesome, Naraj. You've got, you've got a lot to do. And just a point of clarification on that, that's really across all the parts of Taco Bell, right? I mean, it's, it's including all the order data and all that sort of stuff, right? Yes, this is across um, all of our domains and data assets across um, whether it's customer, supply chain, restaurant. We talk a lot about marketing, but real, really your job is really across Taco Bell. And I think that's really interesting. So yep. thank you. All right, Malia, on to you. you know, Malia, uh, Ali, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and, and what you're doing at Taco Bell. Sure, Jose. So I'm the director of Omnichannel Platforms at Taco Bell. And really what that means is my team is responsible for really enabling the customer marketing and, and all the omni-channel strategies um, that we're trying to accomplish through technology. So, you know, our team, we, we lead the selection, the development, the integration, and the management um, of all the different technologies that are necessary to really ultimately maximize marketing effectiveness and ensure we're creating really consistent, relevant, and personalized customer experiences across basically all the different channels that we have at Taco Bell. That's awesome. And Malia, you know, for, for those who are listening, I mean, I happen to have a little bit of experience inside of the world of QSR, but, you know, what does omni-channel marketing look like for a company like Taco Bell? Yeah, it's um, a good question, Jose. I mean, I guess, well, first, when we think about omni-channel marketing, I think it's it's almost like less marketing, but more about creating omni-channel, an omni-channel dialogue and experience an experience really for the customer that is both meaningful and, you know, provides value. So I guess first, when you think about what, what, what is omni-channel 
um, mean for Taco Bell first, when we think about our channels, what are those channels? And so, you know, we have our traditional ordering channels um, at Taco Bell. So, you know, web, app, kiosk, delivery, and of course, in-store and drive-through. But then we also have engagement channels, all the different ways that a customer can be interacting with our brand. And those engagement channels can also be the ordering channels, but we also have, you know, push and email and SMS or social, customer care, paid media, et cetera. There's a lot of different ways our customers are engaging with us. And so, you know, we know our customers interact with us in these these variety of different ways and they're not channel agnostic. So we, we really shouldn't be either. And so thus we're on a journey to really make sure each of those interactions that our customers have are consistent and relevant to each other, but as well as to the customer. Uh, yeah, that it's fascinating. I, I I think it's it's fascinating the way that really the the digital transformation has hit uh, the QSR industry. I mean, just the the pandemic itself has driven so much more uh, drive through activity, pickup, you know, online ordering. All these things have really come together, and I I've always been impressed really with with how. You, Malia, and the, and the rest of Taco Bell have have really risen to the challenge. Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a it's been a really exciting journey. Um, you know, the, especially over the last year and a half, with but as you mentioned, the incredible digital transformation that has taken over. You know, the the overall industry. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's uh, you know I have some I'm privy a little bit to some of the work you do and it's really pretty amazing. So um, kudos to you, uh, Naraj. You know you you're what I would say is a kind of forward thinking person, and and you've you've described you've really spoken about this idea of a data fabric and democratization of of data. You even mentioned that a little bit earlier today. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what about what that means, and perhaps some of the challenges that you face with that, uh, either whether it's a Taco Bell or just generally about bringing these data together? Data fabric is really an approach to building simple, scalable, um, next-generation enterprise-wide data management processes and um, connecting and delivering that across multiple different endpoints, right? Which means integrating data from our online um, and offline sources, as well as our internal, external data sources, as well as machine data. And as Malia mentioned, there is a ton of data that's being generated, especially around customer interact interactions and transactions. And we needed to come up with an approach that's highly automated, scalable, and cognitive to harness it. So what the data fabric approach allows us to do is combine the power of data lake and the value of a data warehouse while keeping in mind the business value that that data is generating. So at a high level, a data fabric is consumable and composable. So Naraj, when you say consumable and composable, what, what does that mean exactly? So at Taco Bell, we are modernizing our data architecture using low-code, uh, no-code approach that really is combining the flexibility, the cost efficiency, and the scale of cloud, right? Your cloud-native serverless query engines. And now we're combining that with a with our fully managed um, petabyte-scale data warehouse service in the cloud. 
So which provides like a robust data integration um, backbone. Can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges with this? Um, so in terms of like challenges, right? Um, I look at it from a people process and platform perspective. And I'll keep tech and platform aside for a minute and, and look at it from a people and process standpoint. For people, um, I look at it in a couple of different ways. We really want to be able to promote a very humane approach to data analysis. Um, I want to do that by making data easy to access and take a lot of stress away from our teams. I was reading an article uh, where I read that folks are actually taking sick leaves due to data-induced stress. It is real. Really? So we need to empathize. Yes, that is correct. And um, <laughs> so we need to empathize with our teams and whether it's our BI team or cross-functional teams that generate insights and make it easy for them to access data and, and, and comprehend that. The other side of things, uh, this side of the other, the other aspect of this is um, we need to be great at building pipelines and data products. Um, so we need to do, we need to, and basically we need top engineering talent to do it. And that is a challenge. Um, having people-centric culture with the right skill set is a key. It's a challenge, but it's also a key pillar. Um, the third piece, I think, is around process and incorporating agile and scum processes. Um, with the data fabric approach, we can really work in a dual mode or bi bimodal way of, of functioning. Um, to explain that, that in a, to explain the dual process in short, in the first mode, um, we identify the sources for a particular use case, have a team of data engineers that use templates. And I talked about the low code, no code framework-based ingestion to ingest the raw data at scale. And then use automation to convert them into queryable data sources. And we do that across domains, right? Customer, sales, supply chain, restaurant. This is more exploratory and non-linear um, process with an, with, an with an emphasis on uh, agility and speed. Um, once we once we bring all that data together, because you've got data in various different formats um, coming from all these different sources with different velocity, um, with all that data infrastructure built, the data analysts and scientists can use that data for exploration, right, discovery, and then eventually providing requirements for KPIs and strategic analytics, which is essentially a mode two of functioning, which is more traditional and sequential method of working which is um, and, and emphasizing accuracy. Have you changed your approach to the way that you collect data? Data fabric approach has really enabled us to be really agile in how we collect data and also become nimble in how we make changes or updates. Um, in terms of like the benefits, right? Our timelines, our development timelines have really shrunk in some cases, over 50%. Our wow. data scientists have been able to focus on what they do best and not worry about data wrangling. The other challenge of like a data lake and why it's a little different from a data lake approach is our, by intention, we don't want it to be a swamp. Um, <laughs> like the, the composable nature of the data fabric means we can build um, AI-powered catalog and really challenge the garbage in, garbage out refrain when it comes to data quality. So the, our approach is to kind of build this um, consumable data platform, 
crawl through the vast data, connecting master data to transactions from systems and machine, and then eventually predict data quality issues. Um, in some cases, we've been we've started um, providing a feedback loop to transactional systems, um, and you know, in some cases, also prescribing what needs to be fixed. Um, and finally, I think just to close out, I think just providing access to data means little if your workforce doesn't know how to use it. So the data democratization effort um, that goes along with the data strategy is really key in solving that challenge. And um, along with the data dictionaries and the data catalog, um, you're um, putting together a series of data workshop to provide education and tools to empower our users. And uh, we have cross-functional cohorts um, that collaborate on analytics, which which I think is great. And I think um, we'll eventually, as we mature in this space, will um, power um, innovation on data products. I I think that's fascinating, Niraj. I mean, in my in my mind, when you speak, what I'm thinking about are all these data, whether it's transactional data, marketing data, analyses just moving quickly through a system, uh, through systems, into reports, into activation channels, et cetera, and then being accessed by you know, people throughout the organization to look at and use and analyze for their own different needs in a way that doesn't require everybody having siloed bits of bits of data. Uh, and, and what I love about what you said was, you know, it's one thing to have data, but perhaps there's too much data, but also for it to be valuable to the organization, we actually have to train people to be able to use those data. Did I, did I get that? Yep, that's that's 100% accurate. I think my goal, if, depending on, you know, how we mature along the way is to make everybody a data scientist um, and a data analyst. <laughs> I, I, I think we're all get, we'll all get there someday. I don't think that everybody identifies that way, but you know, it's it's mm-hmm. just part of the reality of of life. I think sometimes that that I, Niraj, I think that's awesome. And again, how, just knowing the speed at which some of the data move inside of the business. I mean, this is this is a. I mean, it's 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 pretty awesome. So uh, that's awesome, Niraj. Yep. Thanks. Um, so. You know, now we've got the data. Uh, let's turn it over a little bit to Malia. Right, so Malia, you you're responsible for leveraging technology to deliver that customer experience that guests see across the site, the app, and beyond, really to to support the buying experience. So things like loyalty. You know, um, there's a lot. <laughs> like there's a lot there. There's a lot in the marketplace. There are a lot of vendors. A lot of people say they do the same stuff. You know. What what advice would you give to organizations that are kind of starting off or trying to get to this omni-channel experience? Like what, what are some mm-hmm. of the real real deal, <laughs> you know, real talk type things <laughs> that um, people should know? Hmm. Um, well, I feel like the best advice I can give is some of the best advice I've been given. Um, but I think that really the trick is you know, putting that advice into practice. Um, but if, if I have to call it a few things, I'd, I'd say I'd say maybe the first is don't try to boil the ocean. 
um, you know, embarking on an omni-channel initiative can be daunting sometimes because of the complexity. If you look across all the different channels and the ways that your customers are interacting with you, um, and and you know what is needed to to create those consistent experiences across it, it can be a lot to tackle from a technology perspective, a you know alignment and strategy perspective, um, etc. So I would say don't let that scare you, <laughs> but focus on just creating a roadmap and team that balances building for the future while maximizing what you can do today. So I, I think it's it's often really easy to get stuck on one end of the spectrum. You know, either you're you're completely focused on just putting everything into place and waiting till you have the perfect solution before you launch anything. But then that's gonna take, you know, we're always we're always gonna be working on uh, building a solution to make, it's never gonna be perfect, I guess. Right. That way. But then you can also get stuck on just you know, doing just just focus on executing with what you have and never building forward. So I, I think it's a, it's a tricky thing where you need to have a balance of both, and that really comes from a focus on ruthless prioritization driven by data. And so it's, we're, we're very we're very appreciative of our partnership uh, partnership with Naraj and his team because that really helps us build that roadmap, focus on what matters and and how do we stage out a plan for this omni-channel journey. So so for example, you know, we we always knew we wanted loyalty to be loyalty and our program to be an omni-channel experience. But when we launched initially, it was only on the app. And then we expanded to include additional channels. And so, you know, then there were, there was a strategy behind that and, and a lot of it driven by by looking at the data and looking at what our customers need and what's the strategy for all these different channels. So, you know, don't I, I guess I would I would say just don't feel like you have to do it all at once. Have that vision and have a plan for how you want to get there, but um, take it one step at a time. I think that's probably pretty fair advice. And I, I do I do admire really the way that the teams at Taco Bell work, uh, certainly in an agile way, but also the prioritization and communication, I think is really pretty, pretty awesome to see because you're right. Stuff changes over the course of a project, new, like there are new market dynamics, something else happened. There's a competitive shift, you know, like sure. you can't wait till the end <laughs> to roll things out. <laughs> exactly. I think one of my old mentors uh, always told me, don't let perfection stand in the way of progress. And I, I hold that near and dear to my heart. <laughs> it's it's true. Um, it's such a it's such a balance. But you're right. Things are things are changing so quickly. I mean, in our industry, the, the word quick is in the title of our industry. <laughs> the quick service. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so we do have to be um, very flexible and agile. Again, still have that vision and roadmap in mind but have the processes and the ability to be nimble and change as, as necessary. All right. So Niraj and Malia, one of the things that I know about your team and one of the really, one of the, my favorite parts about Taco Bell and how everybody works together in such a collaborative way is, is, is really how your two teams work together. So you've got BI and analytics as well as MarTech working together. Now, theoretically, 
it should be that way in, in every company, but I can tell you it doesn't always work that way. I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about how you really do work together and what that, what that means and how um, you, you've been able to forge that relationship. I don't know, uh, Niraj, if you want to kind of kick it off. Um, yeah, sure. I think, you know, I think that's one of the things that I love about Taco Bell is the collaboration between um, teams in technology and cross-functionality as well. So from a um, customer data platform standpoint, we are adopting a continuous product development approach. Um, and, I, and I talked about strategy and architecture uh, previously. So the next step um, that we build is the roadmap. And I've got a, a roadmap for the customer data platform and we work closely with Malia's team and the cross-functional team to understand each other's roadmap and in some cases influence them. Um, we build agile teams that work in tandem um, from an execution standpoint. So there's a ton of orchestration, ton of communication between the teams. And, um, and really as we look at you know, the outcomes that we deliver, we also celebrate our wins, which I think is, um, to my mind, another um, key enabler of, of how our teams work. That, that's great. And I can, I can say, I can vouch that this, this really happens. Uh, <laughs> the two teams work extremely well together and the roadmaps are shared. Malia, you know, I'd like to hear from you. You, know, you. you work with Niraj's team. You work with many other teams to make sure that the technology is able to ingest data, send it back uh, for reporting and analysis. Tell me a little bit about your point of view on, on how you approach this collaboration and how it works so well. Sure, sure. Um, I, I mean, echo everything Naraj said, but you know, I think, I think we, we recognize that if you want to show up as a single brand and voice to your customer, you have to work as a single team to start with. And so you know, a lot of credit to the whole team for really really coming together under a shared, under a shared vision um, and strategy to really, to truly work as one team, you know, while, while we have technology teams and operations teams and marketing teams and finance, like we, we pull people from each of those different groups and we create a little squad, like a one, a one team to work on these different initiatives. Cause we know it takes everybody to work together to bring these things to life. So for, you know, for example, um, when we launched loyalty, you know, we were very clear when we when we launched that this is not a technology project. This is not a marketing project. It's a Taco Bell project, and you know, it was very those intentional to make sure everyone really knew this is this is a one team thing. You know, yeah, we this is only going to be successful if we all actually work together. Um, and and to to Naraja's point, I mean, tactically speaking, a lot of that is honestly just aligning our roadmaps and aligning on goals and you know, something very simple like. Um, our sprint schedules. I mean, that was like step one. You know, I, I'm very thankful to Naraj for actually aligning to our, our sprint schedule so that when we plan and we try to do more co-development to bring all these you know different projects to life, that we're, we're actually speaking the same terms and working on the same process and schedule. It's very simple, simple things like that. But I think they make a really big difference to signal to your team and the rest of the organization that we're, we're all working together. Um, and it really is required <laughs> in order to be successful in these omni-channel initiatives. Absolutely, and, and you know, look, what I, what I, I mean, on the one hand, it's so plain and obvious. Yes, communications, alignment, <laughs> shared <laughs> <Right>. goals, <laughs> you know, like all that works. So I, 
<laughs> you know, like it, it seems so obvious, but you know, I, I think what I I want to just say that I, I think is fascinating is really how well your teams do it, and it, you're not just working on one project together, right? I know from conversations with both of you that you're working on many other projects. This, this, sometimes this is an intersection point. Sometimes you're working on other things, and so mm-hmm. you're able to do this in addition to other projects you may be working on. I think, um, you know, I think it's just a it's a it's a great working model. Um, so kudos. Um, so, you know, look, we've talked about really a, a lot of different things today and it's been exciting. I love having you on this podcast. I think you're, you're, you're great people to work with. You're great teams. The culture at Taco Bell is phenomenal. The collaboration is there. So as we look to wrap up, uh, this episode, what are some of the pieces of advice you might give our listeners around how to really prepare for and be realistic about this transformation, the transformation journey that you go on. Like what are some of your um, kind of quick tips and things like that? Well, Leah, why don't we, why don't we uh, kick off with you? Sure. Um, I, I will say, well, one, this is a, a super exciting space. Um, and I think we talked about it earlier in the call where, especially for, for restaurant um, industry, you know, our QSR industry, a lot has changed over the last, you know, 20 months or so. And before it was so simple where we, customer would just come into the restaurant and talk to the team member, order food. And now we have all these new channels and all this new data that we're collecting, which is super exciting, but things are things are changing really quickly. We've definitely seen that in, in recent events. And I think that is probably the biggest thing that we have to be, that we, we recognize and need to stay agile and be able to adapt not only in our technology, but in our processes and kind of which is what we're talking about, how we work together in order to just stay current and understand the changing needs of customers in the marketplace and our team members and our restaurants and, and, and the changing technology landscape itself. I mean, a new, a new MarTech platform comes on, I think, um, to market every day. And so I think it's just honestly having that understanding as a team um, in order to make sure we are building in the right structure and mentality of being flexible and agile to to change to those uh, different situations and demands, in order to make sure we are current and meeting the needs, you know, of our customer and our and our and our brand. Like, you know, re- research <laughs> customer research we did a year ago probably no longer applies, and so we always have to continue to make sure we're checking in with our customers, which comes back to data. Right? <laughs> we're always reading data um, because things change so quickly, but. Um, I don't know. I'd say one one last bit is uh, maybe of advice is to just be good friends with your BI team, <laughs> as I yeah. think you mentioned, Jose. They should be your best friends um, because, as we all know, you know, data is the lifeblood of any company and a competitive advantage to any company these days. So, uh, the more you can work together with your BI team, and the more better access to data you have to be data driven uh, decision makers, the better. Well, look, I, I think what you say, Malia, is, you know, is very astute in terms of the reality that customer and techno- customer expectations and technology change. And just because you started off a project with this in mind, 
doesn't mean you won't have to change course as you learn new information. I think. Yes, yeah, so true. I, look, I, I, I think that you know listeners should really think about how they infuse that market dynamic into their projects so that they're shifting with it. Um, I, I think it's I think it's really important. So I think that's a good good point. Uh, Niraj, what 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 would your advice be? Like, what do you what do you think people should kind of take away from this? And and Malia summed it up really well, right? There's new technologies in the space. It's an exciting space. A ton of data generated. A ton of data that's being used for um, analysis. Um, so I think my advice would be, from a tech standpoint, you know, think about the outcomes. Think about the business benefits. Think about how you're moving the needle as you implement some of these technologies. Think about what you want to build versus what you want to buy, what capabilities you want to enable, um, and make an assessment of your technology organizations and and focus on those big ticket items. Um, I I strongly suggest that a buy versus build is not the only strategy you probably need to build with. Um, so that's something to think about as you as you enter the space. Um, a lot of the technologies will mature as we progress. A CDP, what a CDP meant a few years ago, it's different from how we define a CDP. Um, I think um, at the end of the day, it needs to be practical. It needs to be um, fast and it needs to provide the business value as you as you progress along that maturity curve. Indeed. You, you're opening up a can of worms, Niraj. <laughs> we could do a whole other topic about build and buy. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking build build versus buy, build and buy, but also CDPs. I mean, Niraj, like you, you know, you're, you're speaking the truth, uh, which is, you know, you got to have a reason. You got to understand what you're, what you're trying to do and then figure out which technology helps support that and how you're going to acquire that technology. Are you going to build it? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> look, I, I, I have a view of the world and I can tell you that when it comes to CDPs in particular, um, my observation, not about Taco Bell, but my observation is people are thoroughly confused about what they're <laughs> buying, not because they're, not thinking about it, but because I think it's hard to discern the real capabilities, not just that people need, but also that the technology platforms have, you know? Sure, sure. Um, it's a big so, <laughs> it, it's, And it changes, Malia, to, to what you said, it changes <laughs> every day, you know? Um, so as a buyer, it's hard, you know, like I, I, I think we, we are going to have to do that as a, as a different topic. And uh, if you're willing, well, we can bring it back, but, um, okay. Niraj and Malia, I really want to thank you both for being part of this. I think this has been a fabulous episode of inside job making CX work. We've covered a lot of different topics. We've covered what omni-channel means for Taco Bell, the changing consumer needs, big choices, that people need to make and as they go through this customer experience transformation. And frankly, some of the key ingredients to success, including real collaboration between teams headed toward um, the same goal. So I want to say thank you very much. It's been a true pleasure. Uh, you're both very pleasant and generous with your contributions and, and thank you. And as we start to close this out, any last words, Niraj? 
Um, no, thank you. Thanks for having us. It was a great discussion. I really enjoyed it. And um, good, good luck with your next topic on CDP. <laughs> thank you. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you, Hyundai. Well, thank you, Malia. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure. This has been another episode of Inside Job, Making CX Work. Thank you.